Hey everybody, welcome back to SMP Now. This is episode 11, coming at you on Wednesday, September 11th. Josh, who is this week's sponsor? Uh, this week's episode is brought to you by Wallace Ace Hardware. Autumn is just around the corner and Wallace Ace Hardware has everything you need to get those fall projects done right. If you're gearing up for hunting season, make sure and check out their large selection of rifles, shotguns, ammunition, and hunting apparel. Visit the helpful place, Wallace Ace Hardware, located at 716 Bank Street in Wallace, Idaho. I actually have have a, um, a good relationship with them. They assisted me in my uh, failed ice rink attempt three years ago. Oh, yeah, I forgot they were, about they that. They were major contributors to that. Flipping big ice shout town, out. man. Big shout out to them. I, hey, man, it all came together. Weather just did not cooperate. No, it did not. It didn't get cold. No, it didn't. And unfortunately, when, when it got warm, all the water spilled out. As water tends to do. As as water tends to do. Hey everybody, welcome welcome back. We uh, we appreciate you tuning in. Um, we've been seeing from our stat numbers that you guys are enjoying what we're what we're saying, which is which is great because we like to think of ourselves as I don't know what trailblazers. Uh, men about town. Yeah. We are your dandy news reporters. There we go. Absolutely. Okay. Well. Whoa. Whoa. We can hear Carrie. Hold on. I wonder if she realizes that we're recording. Probably not. Oh, she'll hear it when she listens yeah, to Yeah, she'll us. come in. <laughs> uh, Our mics are really good. Yeah, until you have a group of people in here, and then uh, and then it gets pretty bad. That's, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so anyway, um, what is going on, Josh? Um, we've had uh, you've been you, we've had some good athletics. Uh, last last weekend, anything anything interesting happened this weekend? Ah, uh, you know, we were just. We had a lot of good sports. We had kind of just, you know, our, our regular, we're getting into fall. We got school starting. It's just kind of weird. This is where we get back into our routine. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. But, it is know. nice. Nice. But uh, I, I'm looking forward to uh, kind of the continuing of the, We have some we have some solid sports being played right now. We do. So we'll talk we about do. those we'll get, we'll get into that here in a second. Let's. Um, how about we jump into our Saturday, September 7th edition headlines. Yeah, and actually, I was—I uh, think I had the uh, weekend—the uh, weekend headline there. So let's take a look and see. You did. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Uh, probation violation at Law Day. All right. Let's see here. So All you right. went out to you went out to the last Law Day and uh, and talked about two cases in particular. Yeah, yeah. I went there and 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 usually Chance actually handles most of the Law Day stuff. I kind of just fill in for him when he needs it. But uh, we we got to sit and. Listen to some cases from Judge, uh, well, that appeared in front of Judge Wayman. First one was uh, Josh Easley, and, and his name has been in the paper a couple times recently in our uh, our, our booking reports and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, this last one was a probation violation, which uh, kind of stemmed off of some charges he'd had from a couple years ago. Sure. Something we wouldn't normally cover, but because of the incident. Because of the incident the itself, yeah. So back on in 2017 in November, Easley was arrested for his role in a theft of some stuff from a uh, I think Bunker Hill mine artifacts that were stored at a residence that was owned by the uh, Hopper family mm-hmm. down on Railroad Avenue in Kellogg. Uh, some pyromorphite crystals and a few other items. Nothing, nothing uh, special outside of the pyromorphite, really, except for family heirlooms of theirs. Mm-hmm. A lot of the uh, minerals were destroyed, but they did recover probably about three quarters of the uh, of the stolen crystals. Well, mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure what 
tipped off the probation violation, but uh, he appeared in front of Judge Wayman, and uh, what they do on these, these it's like a, like an admit or deny. You go there and say, hey, you were charged with violating your probation. What do so you he say pl- to that? Before that, he pled guilty. He had pled guilty to he this. He pled guilty, and he, was, and he, he got he convicted. Was, he he was, actually got some prison time, and then it was... It What's the word I'm looking for? Suspended. Yeah, suspended. I was uh, going to say vacated. It's not vacated. Not vacated. But um, he did get probation, and then he yeah. got that, and now... He was given a two-year fixed, eight-year indeterminate, but the sentence was uh, suspended in October of 2018, uh, and and it was done in favor of three years of felony probation. There we so go. So he was sitting there and having to just keep his nose clean. and. So he was at this law day because he's being accused of... Violating, violating that probation, um, and I'm not sure what he did to violate it. Didn't get that information um, from from our prosecutors, mm-hmm. but uh, so at the admit deny hearing, he entered a denial and uh, based that off of the fact that he had checked into a or just got accepted into the Good Samaritan program, which is it's kind of a like a behavioral rehabilitation program, kind of an accountability program. Sort of halfway house, now he's but not been really. in it before, mm-hmm. and Judge Wayman brought that to light, but um, not sure specifics on that. So, with the with if if it turns out that he is, if they found that he uh, is denied, or if he did violate his probation, it sounds like. Uh, oh, it sounds like our prosecutors are going to try to. They're going to try to get his original sentence implied, which was what again? Two and eight? uh, Yeah, it was a 10-year sentence, two years fixed, eight indeterminate. Gotcha, okay. Um, And they're going to, so his lawyer, Mr. Easley's lawyer, asked for them to give him as much time as possible to get as much of the Good Samaritan uh, program Mm -hmm. under his belt. Okay. And he just simply, he simply did not... uh, it's it, in in effort to get as much of that done. So when they come to the evidentiary hearing, he'll be able to say, "Well, I've I've completed I've the Good that, Samaritan yeah. program," in hopes that that will probably lessen what the judge says. Mm-hmm. But I don't expect our prosecutors to probably. go for anything other than they're going to want him to serve some time. Sure, absolutely. So well, that evidentiary hearing hasn't been scheduled, but you know. Uh, once it does, we'll follow up on it because it could be the difference of him serving the two years fixed and maybe keeping the eight years indeterminate. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, they could even go as far as saying, hey, dude, we gave you 10. You're going to serve 10. And uh, for something as simple as a probation violation. So, sure. sure. What was the other case you covered? The other with? case was, uh, I'm going to find the name here. I believe Earl. it. Earl. No, not Earl. No, not Earl. Earl. He, he was the other guy. Um, easily. Prom- uh Laude. Oh, Mr. Croston. Yes, William Croston. Uh-huh. Uh, Mr. Croston is a Cooney County man, and he was a part of the break-in that happened at the old Inyert Cedar Mill, now called Shoshone Lumber Shoshone Lumber or Silver Valley Lumber in Something Smelterville. Like Something like that. Um, uh, he broke in, and they were kind of rifling through stuff, and the alarm got tripped. And I'm assuming it must have been a silent alarm uh-huh. because they didn't leave. They they stayed there. Yeah. And the sheriff's department showed up with assistance from a canine. And, I wrote that uh, original story. One, uh, I believe it was Mr. Croston, ended up. Croston being... himself was yeah he was we didn't include that in the story because we didn't know at the time but Croston was the one who got so they it, to get them out they surrounded he and, the lumberyard yeah. and they called in the uh, Coeur d'Alene PD canines and they Croston was actually bit by one of the canines. He and uh, 
So he was sentenced. He pled guilty a few months ago, mm-hmm. but uh, his accomplice, Earl Jones, was taken into custody without incident that day. Crossed and actually had to be apprehended via canine, yep. which sounds horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, following the state's recommendation, Crossed was given a four-year prison sentence, two years fixed, two years indeterminate. So he'll serve those two. He'll probably get credit for some time served. He's going to have like $900 in restitution to the company uh, who owned the building. After he gets all and then, yeah, some supervised probation. Uh, apparently, in the, uh, the, 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 the pre sentence investigation report, showed that uh, as far as felonies go, Crossen's kept his nose pretty clean. Uh, burglary is kind of a big step from a person who's only had like minor misdemeanor infractions. Mm-hmm. I mean, technically, any of you guys that have ever gotten like a speeding ticket or, you know, something like that, excessive, mm-hmm. excessive speeding, yeah. you've had a misdemeanor. So, sure. like, a bunch of small time stuff and then sure. this is kind of a kind of a gut punch shock to the system and I think I think that's why the sentence doesn't seem because I think they could have been hit with 10 year sentences yeah. but he was only given four so sure. I'm assuming that this being his only felony probably yeah probably helped so yeah I both mean, of those both the original stories for both of those um Kit trials, so like yeah. the easily the the theft, though both of those are online. I believe the the easily story, the original story was uh, uh, artifacts, something artifacts stolen. Artifacts if stolen. If you go to our website and, then, and search the word artifact, it's going to probably be the only one that comes up. Yeah, and then the burglary at Kello, at Smelterville Lumberyard. If you type in like both uh, the names, say so even the names, yeah. If you go names. to our website and you type in the names, you'll find all the yeah, all the stories all that we've written about those stories. two. So. So yeah, kind of an interesting day at Law Day. We actually, and and just a heads up, we we did have a sentencing that was supposed to be scheduled, but it did get canceled. Um, as soon as that sentencing for uh, uh, convicted rapist Caleb Hill, we will have a report on what sentence Judge Wayman hands down on that. Gotcha. All right, let's move on to. Let's the... go to something nicer. Yes, definitely. Well, not nicer, but. Well. Yeah. Nicer in a sense. Um, so I, uh, I've got the center part of our paper, uh, this on Saturday, uh, titled Remembering Wyatt, um, the story, you know, sad story, but a great thing of school coming together. Uh, I went out to, uh, Canyon Elementary School out in Cataldo to witness a ceremony that was being held for a, uh, uh, former student, Wyatt Blaylock. He passed away this summer. Uh, he was going to be a third grader this year at Canyon Elementary. Uh, Wyatt suffered from, uh, cerebral palsy. And uh, he passed away right before the school year. He'd been at Canyon Elementary since he was in first grade. And uh, in, in order to, in, in remembrance of him, to honor him, uh, all the students and staff at Canyon Elementary, they, they filed out toward the end of their day. Um, and they, they circled around his swing. Uh, um, one of the favorite things that Wyatt liked to do was swing. So uh, they, they formed a circle around there. The counselor said some nice words. They blew bubbles. It was it was a very touching ceremony. The parents of Wyatt were there, and um, on top of all of that, uh, Canyon Elementary's principal uh, Jenny she, Ferreira, Jenny Ferreira, um, Jenny Ferreira, she started a GoFundMe campaign in in Wyatt's name about roughly four days after he was uh, after he passed, and to raise money to uh, buy a new uh, wheelchair capable swing. So. Like I said before, Wyatt's one of his favorite things to do was to swing. So um, what they're trying to do right now is to raise enough money to get a wheelchair 
so not like not like where you have to lift somebody up out of their wheelchair to get into it like a like an actual legit swing where you ride your wheelchair up into the swing you close off gates and you can and you can swing and they're trying to uh install that at the pinehurst pinehurst park but uh one of the issues that they're coming up with right now is that these swings are only really manufactured and found in Europe, and they don't ship them here. So mm. sounds like they're going to have to use that money that they raised to fabricate their own swing with their own designs. Well, not their own designs, but borrowed some designs and fabricate it here. But um, it's a nice and it's one more thing to to remember Wyatt by. And the story kind of talks about his time when he was when he was a student there. He all the kids loved him. So um, here's to here's to Wyatt and uh, a really great thing that the school did for him. Now, in this story, it says he passed away on July 26th. Mm. I thought he passed away on the 27th. I thought it... I'm almost 100% positive. I thought I saw him at Silver Hoops watching his brother play. His brother was playing. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, they weren't there. It was pretty uh, pretty rough mm-hmm. for a lot of the people that were there. Because yeah. a lot of people still showed up to try and gut it out. Right. So, I mean, and it could just be a matter of me thinking I might have my days wrong, Um, but... So how I got, how I got that, I was never given a specific date on when he died, but what Jenny told me, she said she started the GoFundMe four days after he passed, so I got the July 26th date from... From that. So the GoFundMe was started on the 30th. I think, actually, I think she might have been off on her days, because I'm pretty sure it was the 27th, which was that first Saturday of Silver Hoops. Gotcha. Because he had been there. His brother was playing on a pretty solid team, Mm -hmm. uh, and they just kind of took the Sunday off. They made it to Sunday and took Sunday off, because that's a lot to handle. Sure, of course. That's a lot to process. But, yeah, I, I... it was kind of a shock to a lot of people, um, and I'm really happy that Canyon uh, stepped up and kind of took care of this. I know uh, he, my son had played on a AAU team with Wyatt's brother, mm-hmm. and, I mean, I saw Wyatt every week. Sure. Every week, every weekend. Sure. Saturdays over in Coeur d'Alene, out there watching his brother play ball. So Happy kid, always smiling. Yeah, definitely a tough one, but uh, nice to see the community rallies together. For sure. Um, let's jump down to our story about the wellness center. Yeah, the wellness center, we kind of tag teamed that one. We did. Uh, we did. I wasn't able to go to the uh, unveiling, but uh, I had a chance to talk to the artist. Uh, last Wednesday, the Shoshone Medical Center Wellness Center in Smelterville unveiled a, a mural on their, outside of their building, kind of the physical therapy area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I right outside felt, of the, um, the outdoor workout area. Yeah, and there's I, a name for it. I can't remember. Uh, I can't. And I apologize. Fitness Park. Yeah, That's what go. it's called. Fitness Park. Um, uh, Shelly, a local artist, Shelly Petritz. I apologize, Shelly, if I butchered your name. Uh, but yeah, she's a local artist. She paints uh, uh, bears. I mean, anyone who's seen some of these local, they're not cartoony, but they're not fierce scary bears mm-hmm. they're very i mean it, she just does really good work and mm-hmm. they're fun and, and very warm welcoming kind of thing sure and she she hurt her leg a few months ago and has been going through rehab and decided to paint a picture of some of the bears that she does doing the rehabs that she normally does mm-hmm. for her mm-hmm. leg so so i thought that was pretty cool um and, and shelly's one of the nicest people in the world uh, I've gotten to work with her a few th- a few times in some of our other outside the news press ventures. So uh, just kind of a cool event and always nice to see local art. 
yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, the photo was there. My 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 dog actually got into the photo that went on the front page. Oh. Not my idea. I was. We were there, and they said they wanted every. Not not too many people had shown up when I was there at that time, and so they they wanted everybody they could in the photo. So, my Lola, Lola the bulldog made a nice makes a front page appearance. Excellent, mm-hmm. excellent, excellent. Uh, meanwhile, uh, in Kellogg, I think a lot of people saw. For some reason, Chance and I always joke about this. Uh, it seems like no matter how hard we try, we cannot get an. Uh, always have an accurate pulse on the community. No. Uh, what we think people are going to want to read about, people don't care. But, you know, we put something in the newspaper about McDonald's getting remodeled. And next thing you know, it's exploding, uh, on, exploding social on social media. But uh, Who knew that people could argue about a fast food restaurant getting remodeled? Uh, you know, the, they figured it out, though. Uh, <laughs> our local McDonald's... Uh, is getting the remodel that all the McDonald's are getting across the country, kind of a more mainstream look, kind of abandoning the campy, cartoony look of the 90s and more 2000s. Of a, more of a coffee shop vibe. Uh, yeah, it just they just look nicer. If you've seen the ones over in Coeur d'Alene, um, between McDonald's and I, I think Wendy's is doing it too, they just look nicer. They look cleaner. They're more inviting. Um, we're going to have a bigger drive through so they're going to expand the drive through area to take two cars people were like how are they going to do that well you the you you just do it we've seen how they do it in other Mm -hmm. places they're just going to do it um and they're going to remodel the inside and add the kiosks some people and i know it bugs people but some people just don't like to talk to other people you know it's it's not i i think i saw i saw one argument online somebody was trying to make it akin to the self-checkouts yeah and I, I mean, I guess I can understand that point. Maybe it's just because I'm I'm younger. I I honestly sometimes prefer the self checkouts because I can do it faster. I can do it faster, and I don't have to pretend to be nice to a that's true. A, a checker. Like if I know the checker, if I know the checker, or like if I don't have a lot of items, sometimes I'll do that. But I personally don't mind the self checkouts because I can like if I've got a lot of items, I feel like I can do it faster. I guess yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So. You're gonna, but they, they don't have any plans of like cutting their staff back. They employ nope. 55 people. There's no plans to cut staff. Um, in, in fact, people, really? yeah, they employ 55 people. I mean, from custodians to cooks to, and, and it's That's all awesome. shift work. Yeah, and they're open from like 5 a.m. to one. Sure. So you start looking at that, you can probably break that up into three shifts. Sure. Yeah. That's a lot of people you can get in and out of there. So. I, uh, from what I was told by the owner, and uh, I apologize if I'm trying to find his name, Mr. S- uh, Tim Skubitz, he's a nice guy. He's really excited for this. Um, bringing modern McDonald's to to Kellogg is just another edition of modern things. Um, uh, they did say that this could open up uh, avenues for more employment, possibly. And, and we don't have a ton of options for fast food here. So it's nice to see that they're not just saying, well, we don't really have to upgrade this because it's not like they have any other choice. I'll say it could go the opposite direction and they could close it. Yeah. Yeah, they could close it and we could lose another option and 55 people could be out of work. Correct. You know, so uh, big shout out there. But the uh, work did start this week on the drive through So I believe for the next two, three weeks, the drive through will be closed uh, regular hours. As still always, can go inside. you can still go inside. And then once they get the drive through done, they're going to work on the lobby. Lobby will then be closed, but, but will the drive through will be open. So they will never not be available if you need something. Uh, if you're craving a, a McDouble like I am right now, like <laughs> I'm so hungry. And the more I talk about McDonald's, I'm just salivating over here. But uh, <laughs> yeah, they're going to be open. It's going to be nice. Uh, I, I think it's going to look great. 
and uh, hopefully, hopefully uh, everything goes smoothly for him. Perfect, perfect. Uh, one thing that didn't make the uh, one thing that didn't make the print edition that I did want to bring up that we did share on Facebook. Walmart is also changing their hours. Oh yes. Yes, I want. I we wanted to get that, that in, but uh, we we missed the deadline on that real quick. So I, I just wanted to bring. Well, they it up. say beginning October. October first or second or somewhere something. in October they're going to be the they're going to be closed every night from one in the morning to five in the morning one to six or one to five something, something like, like that yeah something like that they're going to be closed in the, the the late morning hours so I mean no harm no foul here but no uh, it's I mean it's oh yeah here it is so uh, attention Smelterville Walmart shoppers beginning Sunday morning August sixth at one a.m. August sixth uh, October sixth sorry. Ooh. Uh, October 6th at 1 a.m. the store will close until 6 a.m. the same morning. This is part of our new business hours. Daily the store will be closed from 1 a.m. to 6 a.m. and open from 6 a.m. to 1 a.m. I think this is uh, strategy one. Uh, it, it's just low traffic hours. Low traffic hours, but I know there were some concerns about people wanting to make sure that they're not. I, I hate going in there when they're doing their freight, and sometimes they're doing that at like 6, 7 o'clock at night. Yeah. And and it, the aisles are crowded, yep. and the people in there that are doing that aren't always very happy to help you if mm-hmm. you need help because they want to do the freight work right. that they think they're supposed to be doing. Well, um, and it's hard to. Like, I mean, if I've, I mean, I've, I'm not, I definitely have gone in there during the later hours for this, that, and the other. Um, and it's hard to, you know, even to get a checker because they're, they're stalking, yeah. you know? Like that's their main job at that time of the hour. So, but uh, you know, for all you people who always need like some sort of uh, snack after a night of drinking, you're gonna have to be uh, thinking a little ahead because Walmart's gonna be closed at one o'clock. Uh huh. Uh huh. I know. I might have gone out there and bought like several hundred nacho lunchables at two uh-huh. thirty in the morning. <laughs> Pizza bites. Pizza bites. Yeah. Pizza bites. Maybe uh, some chips and dip. Who knows? But uh-huh. uh, hey. Silver Valley Tires says not only will they stand behind their brake jobs, they'll stand in front of them, too. Silver Valley Tires is located at 407 West Cameron Avenue in Kellogg, Idaho. They sell brakes and brake jobs and tires. Car car washes, oil changes, tires, repair work. I mean, they're just, they are a jack of all trades there at Silver Valley Tire. I love it. So our Wednesday paper, man, we had, uh, gosh, I think we packed about as much as we possibly could yesterday. I was looking at our list of stuff that was going in, and we had just... We had a full paper. We did. Sports we did. wrap. We had just tons of we stuff. We did. So, Headlining yeah. with uh, some good, some f- familiar news yeah. that uh, we always, it seems seems like, uh, is that Mountain Valley of Cascadia? Did I say that right? Mountain Valley of Cascadia. We give them a lot of press, but they do a lot of they stuff for more press. They yeah. earn it. And, uh, you know, uh, Quick story, uh, they took our headline this week because uh, Mountain Valley CEO, uh, Mary Ruth Butler, she's been there for 18 years uh-huh, uh-huh. or in charge for 18 years, I'm not sure. Uh-huh. She just got promoted to regional president of Cascadia operations for like Northern Idaho and Montana. So congratulations to her. She, I mean, she's led them from uh, just being a nursing home to being one of the top nursing homes to being, I mean, I, I'm going to have to say they won that Malcolm Baldridge award mm-hmm. which is given only like they only give like four out a year right and it's and not even for like retirement homes specifically yeah they 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 won an it's award just for great business places, practice yeah. and this a national award the president gives you the award of uh, the president of the United States gives you the mm-hmm, award like mm-hmm. it's not it's not a small deal it's a huge deal right they are the standard in quality rehabilitation and nursing care 
And she was the one that led them to that. So with her taking that job, obviously, that's a big role that they need to fill. Sure. And fortunately, we already know uh, Emily Coolin was uh, promoted to that job. Emily Coolin has been, like, the activities director and, like... Basically, if I had to call, she's like the most fun person there, and she makes it fun for everyone. She's perfect for the role. She's like the sweetest, nicest human being on the planet. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves working with her. We love working with her. So she'll be the new CEO down there. Awesome. So I'm assuming that just bigger things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, her husband, Ira, also works down there. He was recently... Uh, given a state award for his work there. So our, our local Cascadia facility in Kellogg is, is in good hands. He's crushing it. And and they continue to just be like one of the most excellent businesses we have here locally. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, let's jump to the center. Um, we don't normally, uh, ever since we switched away from the daily paper, we don't normally run sports on the front page. But a rivalry renewed. Yeah. We felt like it merited a front page, a front page feature. So Kellogg, or I'm sorry, not Kellogg. Uh, Wallace and Mullen locked up on the uh, football field for the first time since the old 2000, uh, 2012. And it's uh, been that long. It's been a long time. Uh, it was the that was the last year that Wallace operated as a member of the White Pine League, or I'm okay. sorry, the North Star League. Uh-huh. They'd made the jump to the 1A Division One rank the next year, and they operated as an independent. So they were playing uh, an amalgam of bigger teams, trying to be more competitive. But they, they kind of left Mullen off their schedule, I think, because at the time, Mullen was trending the other direction. They were getting smaller. Mm-hmm. Wallace was looking to schedule bigger, tougher opponents. And then they had a playoff game to try and get into the playoffs, uh, like a playing game. Well, then three years ago, they joined full-fledged into the White Pine League. Okay. And they had some middling success there, but nothing too serious. I mean, they, they never once qualified for the state playoffs. Um, just just a tough road. And, and that being said, the White Pine League is... Uh, I've heard people talk about the White Pine League being a top 5 to 10 in the nation for eight-man football. They are that good. They regularly produce the state champs. So, a tough league for Wallace to join into. Absolutely. Well, this year, declining numbers, and last year there were a ton of injuries. Wallace decided not to play in the White Pine League, and they kind of are still a 1A Division One team, but they are playing a, 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 a lesser-than-normal schedule just because their program, they would kids would be getting hurt in the White Pine League. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Mullen, after the split... Wallace moved up while uh, Mullen stayed. Mullen's had kind of a weird road. They've had a few up years, and then suddenly they didn't have enough kids to play, and they lost their program like three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Shock to the system. The whole community was just bummed. Losing football is a big deal. And, of and, and Mullen has a rich football history. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go back and talk to guys, local guys like uh, John Drager, who's still alive. He was the coach. The field's named after him. You talk to Pinehurst Mayor Bob Jutla, former Sheriff Mitch, Mitch Alexander, uh, it's just there's so much history to Mullen football, and they were tough. So, you know, uh, losing that hurt. And then the next year they got football back, but it was this horrible mutated form of football called six man football, where <laughs> every play had like entertaining. A, oh but... my gosh, it was like watching uh, uh, playground football with uh, like basketball scores. So, you know, it was just weird. Finally, they got back to the, the possibility of playing in their own division, and they decided to co-op with 
St. Regis, Montana, another school about 30 miles away. Having similar... Well, worse issues. I mean, they were on the verge of losing their program. Uh, they're both schools mascot of the Tigers. And one of the other issues they had is there's such a massive amount of distance between them and any of their opponents. Mm-hmm. Financially, it made more sense to commute 30 miles a day for football than it did for them to travel for games and things like that. Crazy. So they combined. Last year, they had a solid season. Just barely missed the playoffs. This year... 2-0. This year, they're 2-0, including this game. Uh, they met for the first time, Mullen and Wallace, Friday night, Sather Field, and Mullen whooped up on Wallace. Can't say that it was a shock to a lot of people. Uh-huh. Uh, Mullen came in, uh, I have to believe they're the favorites to come out of this league. It's redemption, though. The last time they played, didn't Wallace win? Wallace beat them by 66 or 68 to 22, something like that. Okay, okay. Um, while Mullen beat Wallace 74 to 0 this last week. Uh, you know, Mullen is a, the heavy favorite to make it out of this league and get into the playoffs. And. I think after these last two weeks, they might even be... People are starting to notice and go, holy cow, this Mullen team might be contending for a state title. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't jinx them. Knock I, and, and knock on wood. They're, they're, they are, nothing bad's going to happen to them. They are as good as advertised. They have worked hard. Correct um, me if I'm wrong. Mullen High School is the only school that has football state championships in I'm history, right? not entirely sure. Kellogg did win one, I believe, a long time ago. Oh, like, okay. like we're pushing like a century ago. Oh, oh okay. Um, and I'm not sure on a lot of Wallace's history. Wallace, so Wallace, Kellogg, and Mullen used to be part of this league that played Coeur d'Alene post falls. Yeah, I remember looking at like old, um, old, old things, Wallace uh, yearbooks and whatnot. When yeah. they were all in the same league together, mm-hmm. Monters Ferry, Sandpoint, Rathdrum, they just all together. Um, it. it it was the first time they had played in seven years, and, and Mullen got him. But it was cool because these two teams, five miles apart, hadn't played each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would venture Kellogg and Wallace have squared up more times recently mm-hmm. in sports than, than Wallace and Mullen. Just yep. because Wallace and Mullen kind of, they weren't in the same league. They had no reason to play each other more than once right. in a lot of things. Sure. And and it, the competitive difference at the time made more sense for them to play Kellogg, sure. you know, whether it was volleyball, basketball, whatever. Sure. Now Mullen's sitting here, and and gosh, it, I mean, they only have 15 kids in the program, but I would put them up against any team in the valley. I mm-hmm. think they would. They could even. T- I mean, they would. Would you say they, that they could compete against some teams above them as well in other leagues? You know, I think uh, their speed. Would give them the ability to compete with some teams. I mean, they beat they beat Wallace seventy four to zero last week. Troy beat Wallace fifty four to zero. So, exo facto sure. uh, twenty to zero game. Mullen could potentially beat Troy. Who sure. knows? Um, that being said, I mean, you start getting into the prairies and lapways of the world, and that's a different story. Sure. Mullen might struggle a little bit there, but you know, I I, I think this Mullen team is as good as advertised. Uh, Stetson Spooner, the head coach, has worked his tail off to get him going. Um, hats off to Jared Young. They were looking dangerously close to not having a football program this year, and, and he's made sure that, that they have one, and he works hard, and he sure. does a good job. The kids really like him. Uh, yeah, it's just going to be one of those years, and I think the, the Wallace Minor fans are probably going to have to sit back and kind of just take their lumps. Everybody like, goes through rebuild. Everybody goes through it. Um, 
you know, a couple years ago, Wallace went down to the Kibbe Dome and beat uh, Clearwater Valley in a huge game down there. And I think everyone was like, holy cow, here we are. Mm-hmm. I think they ended up going like 4-4 four and four in league. So, mm-hmm. you know, tough, tough league, and they did well, but they were kind of riding a high note. I, I Mullen and Wallace are going to play each other again. I believe that game is in October, early October, but this one's up in Mullen. So if you want to check this out, uh, check out the second game between these two teams. They're going to play again in October. Uh, those games always start in the afternoon. I think it kicks off at like three. But uh, check our sports section; it'll have the date and time there. Yeah, I don't. I, just kind of a cool, cool story. Sure. Happy to see Mullen finally hitting their stride and getting theirs. I mean, Wallace. It's is, been a while. Wallace has struggled there in a tough situation, being that they're the only school their size in this area. Mm-hmm. I mean, the next closest one is probably I would venture Lapway or. Mm-hmm. Clearwater Valley and the Grangeville. Maybe, yeah. I mean, it's it, they're not close. Mm-mm. I mean, they, you have to go. No, those are, that's a good bus ride. You have to go four or five hours south for them to encounter any team. That's close Any to school their, yeah. that's their size. St. Mary's arguably would probably be the closest school to their size. Yep. Here locally. So, yeah. Cool. Tough, tough road for them. Meanwhile, Mullen, uh, Mullen finally getting their upkick. It's uh, going to be nice. Nothing wrong with that? Not at all. Nothing wrong with that? What else have we got on the front page? Gosh, we had... For the I, Wednesday. I feel like I had just so much. Uh, I got a chance to talk to uh, Dr. Nancy Larson, as well as some other members of the school board and the uh, the facilities planning committee surrounding the uh, what the school's next, uh, Kellogg School District's next move is uh, in accordance to their bond failing a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. At this point, they have no real plan. They're not going to run the bond in uh, November. Instead, they're going to let the focus shift to uh, the sheriff's bond, which we'll talk about later. Uh Um, They also have to kind of wait and see what the new Idaho State funding formula for education is going to be. That won't be out until January. Sure. So you don't want to try to run anything prior to that. They could... They could run something in March if they wanted to, but to file for that, they need to file mm-hmm. by January. So I think we're not going to see. I think the Kellogg School District is going to sit tight and try to help educate their constituency on the, the needs of the district. And it wouldn't surprise me. And to maybe see hear, hear a little bit from the district as well. Right. On what they want to see. They're going to probably have quite a bit on the, the ballot for the district in May. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know the specifics. Um, No one really seems to know the specifics, but May, they're going to have to, one, get their supplemental levy, the one that they pass every two years. Mm -hmm. Uh, That'll be up for re-election. Not the same as the building Not the same as the the facilities maintenance bond. Um, The same levy that you've been paying for the last, probably, I would say, probably eight, ten years. Kellogg School District. Kellogg School District. Yeah. People listening to this, you pay that every every year for the last eight to ten years. It, it kind of fills the gaps, um, but doesn't allow for much extra. It's the thing that keeps our sports programs and our specialty classes and electives alive. Sure, and pays for those teachers and things. There you go. So yeah, uh, not really uh, not really anything going on there, but just kind of an update. Check that story out, and then. Last but not least, uh, there's going to be a showing of the documentary Being Mortal. It is a kind of a helps people understand how to face. I don't want to say face death because it's not necessarily like it's not like you're facing your own death, but like I mean, it could be used that way. But it, it, I think it's more geared towards like 
how to cope, cope with, with loss. loss of like a family member. Yep. Um, the, the the writer, and I don't have his name in front of me, uh, and if I did, I'd probably butcher it, but it, he actually kind of came up with the idea and the concept while dealing with his father's decline and passing. So that showing, there's going to be two showings, one on the 18th in St. Mary's and then one in on the 19th at uh, the Outreach Center, Shoshone Medical Center, Outreach Center in Pinehurst, right next to the golf course. So check that out as well. There you go. Um, my one byline uh, on the Wednesday edition, talking about a second location for the Wallace Food Bank opening up here in Osborne. Right. Um, uh, Pastor Nick Hoffman with Grace Evangelical Free Church here in Osborne. Uh, they will be host. They will be the second location for the Wallace Food Bank. Uh, this started. He he started speaking to um, Good Samaritan Pastor Art Fleming uh, about a year ago talking about opening up a second location for the food bank and that they finally got it together. Uh, that is now in effect for, let me scroll down here real quick. I believe that's going to be the first Thursday of every month. Uh, the Osborne Food Bank will hold pickup days on the first Thursday of every month from 3 to 5 p.m. Uh, that day, that time may change based upon, they might want to work better with people who are working their work schedules. Uh, they might, so they might bring that up to 4 to 6, but at the moment it's 3 to 5. Mm-hmm. Um Basically, they're just hoping to get uh, hoping to get people in the Osborne area to come in and utilize that new location. Maybe it's more convenient for people. Um, we know they know that uh, the United Methodist Church in Wallace—that's uh, where the first—that's where the current food bank is uh, housed out of. Uh, you have to go into a basement for it. it can might be unco- uh, might be inconvenient for somebody. Uh, so, hoping that this this adds a, a bit of convenience, invites some new people to to use it. And they're hoping to uh, get some donations in to have their own stock. So these early these early days in this first year that they're going to be open, they're going to be uh, relying a little bit on the Wallace Food Bank's uh, inventory. They're hoping to get some donations in to to increase their own stock and hopefully almost in, uh, allow people to come in and basically shop like you would at a grocery store instead of being handed like a bag of you know here's what you here's what you get you know sorry if you don't like it. Versus, you know, kind of, you can walk in and actually just pick things off a shelf and and, sure. and get what you want, like if you went to a grocery store. So cool. they're hoping to get that going. Uh, if you want to uh, contribute to the Osborne Food Bank, um, you can uh, visit uh, Grace Amv Evangelical Free Church at 214 North 2nd Street. You can also call them at 208-753-8392 and ask for uh, Pastor Hoffman. Cool. Well, the uh, fall season is here, and uh, Kellogg Plastics manufactured parts, plastic parts for the Pete Shoe Dryers. Yeah, Make sure to go pick one of those up. And if you're in need for lights for a special event, Kellogg Plastics is the place to go, as they have LED lights for all occasions. Located at 113 East Main in Smelterville, stop in and check out their showroom of lights. You can also view them at ledlightsunlimited.net. That reminds me, I got to go in there and get some lights for. We're coming up on coming up on holiday season. I need to get some more lights for stuff. Lights are fun. I I big Halloween fan. So mm-hmm. excellent. Well, I think uh, we actually have a pretty cool interview today. Uh, Sheriff Mike Gunderson's coming in. He's yes. going to talk to us about the upcoming, and it's not a, we don't want to call it the jail bond. It's uh, the public yes, I, safety. Yes, I improperly said that earlier. Yeah. It, I mean, it's technically a jail bond, but it's it's not. It's, it's a public safety Public building. safety building. Right. So we're going to chat with him and... Uh, we'll be we'll be talking about that. Um, a little, a little, 
background on that before we go into it because I don't we don't really go back to yeah. too much. We've already recorded the interview as we record this right now. Um, little we, I've been covering it pretty much since they started talking about this a while ago. Um, the building itself is very old. We we rediscovered in the interview that it was an old car lot initially and then refurbished. Yeah. So um, it's definitely Mike Gunderson has been uh, pushing since he not as soon as he got in, but he's been pushing for a little while now. That uh, a new building is needed to to house inmates, uh, bases deputies out of that kind of stuff. So right. and his dispatchers. So um, this interview, he'll talk a little bit about that. Um, at the end of the interview, we actually did re- receive some information from him. Literally, not even an hour after the interview, that we'll we'll say in the second part after um, to get some information out. That specific uh, dollar amounts on his on the bond and whatnot. So Excellent. we'll give you that information right after right after you listen. All right. Here we go. Let's cut on over. Hey, and we are here for our regularly scheduled interview. Uh, this week's guest is Shoshone County Sheriff Mike Gunderson. How are you doing today, Sheriff Gunderson? Good, guys. How are you today? Oh, it's Tuesday, man. <laughs> Tuesday at the news press is very, I don't know. We know you were already out here in Osborne with us, taking t- t- <laughs> t- taking the load off for uh, old Chief Broughton. He's uh, he's laid up right now. Hopefully, he gets better here soon. Yes, it sounds like he is uh, healing well, and good. We have to have him back. Good. Perfect. Absolutely. So you're in here today. I mean, among many other things that we could talk about, we're here to talk about the proposed jail bond. Correct. It's new facility bond. Thank yes. you. Yes. Uh, public Sorry. safety building. Jail. Yes, public yes, safety public building. Safety. Yes, yeah. thank you. Yes, uh, so uh, what we're looking at in uh, trying to go for a bond for a new public safety building yes. uh, in November. When um, did you guys, so let's let's backtrack. When did you first start thinking that you needed something like this? Like day one when you came into office, you're just like, we need a new place. Well, it wasn't day one. I think, uh, you know, getting into office and uh, doing your analysis of the building yes. and where everything's at. Uh, one of our jail certifications is really what it came up, mm-hmm. um, our jail certifier uh, brought up several points that, of concern uh, in our existing building. And uh, it's important, important for me to keep our jail certification because that's what allows us to generate our revenue that uh, allows us to, to make money for the citizens of Shoshone County. So for people who don't know about that, explain that how that process works a little bit. So with our jail certification, we're allowed to uh, have contracts with agencies such as Kootenai County, okay. Bonner County, Benawah County, and the biggest one is with the Department of Corrections and the federal government, U.S. Marshal Service. Okay. Um, being jail certified, we're allowed to build those and have contracts with those agencies. So currently, since I took office, we're able to get our jail recertified within about four months of taking office. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been generating about two hundred to $250,000 a year oh. for, the, for Shoshone County uh, just on housing inmates. Gotcha. So if you had to, so if you had to ballpark it between... So at when at any time, how many Kootenai County inmates are you guys holding? Uh, currently, I would say currently we don't house any because Kootenai County now uh, did their expansion in their jail. Oh yes. So they have yes. enough room for their inmates. But we were gotcha. housing anywhere between eight and fifteen Kootenai County inmates when wow. I first came into office wow. until their expansion went through. Okay, and then how about the same for state and federal? And state, state and federal, like federal, we currently have four. Oh wow. Um, and state, we average between seven. And 15. Wow. Okay. And with the new building, you could probably hold even more of those? With the new facility, we actually have a signed contract from the Department of Corrections. Mm. Um, We were going to try to go from 
um, some of the problems that we're facing now is obviously classification problems, sure. uh, housing too many inmates sure. at one time. So we're going to try to take our facility as a current 48-bed facility. We're going to try to take that to a, a 98-bed facility, oh, which wow. will allow us to have 50 more beds. Mm-hmm. Um, the Department of Corrections has signed a, an intent letter, a contract letter, stating that they'll house a minimum of 30 inmates with us at $75 a day. So wow. so that makes about you know $820,000 worth of revenue just with those inmates alone. Sure. So, Holy cow. Sure. So, I mean, definitely would go toward helping pay for for uh, for that endeavor that would go into it. And that is correct. One of the things we're fortunate with in this bond process is um, the Board of County Commissioners have already agreed upon, um, I believe the number is 60% of overhead costs mm-hmm. that will go directly back to the bond. So we'll be able to assist the citizens in actually paying for this bond sooner. Um, with the, the revenue that we're generating by housing inmates. Gotcha. Very cool. So well, while we're on the subject of uh, numbers and whatnot, we know we don't have the hard numbers right now. We're hoping to get those for the print edition, maybe Saturday, maybe next week if that, that happens. You, I think you said they're coming in around Friday-ish. Yes. My understanding is that Peri- Panhandle Area Council should have um, a more specific number, what it costs per 100000 okay. for the citizens of Shoshone County. I just don't want to give a number and, sure. and have to retract that. So we're just waiting for accurate numbers. Sure, absolutely. So what, what numbers do we have right now that are that are safe to give out? Anything like that? Like the, the cost of the facility. Yeah, what that kind of stuff. Planned. And we do, do have those numbers. So um, a lot of questions have come up when we've talked about this in, in groups um, before is um, cost of fixing the current problem, the current building. Of course. So we can fix the current building. The cost of that is approximately $9 million to rehab the current building. That does so is not... that like a total refurbishment or is that just Band-Aids on everything? That's refurbished. So okay. that's new plumbing, new electrical. That is fixing the, the pods in the back. That's not expanding them. It's not giving us any more room to gotcha. house anybody. It's just fixing... Uh, the problems that we're facing, like uh, the plumbing is coming away from the wall, the beds are separating from the concrete, sure. all those. So they'd go back in and fix all that those problems. Okay. Um, but that doesn't that nine million is only for the building. That doesn't count. They take about a year to do that. Well, in that year, we have to house everybody separately. So the housing of that in Nez Pierce is about approximately eighty dollars a day for housing. So we're averaging. 40 to 45 inmates per day. Right. So you're looking at approximately 1.1, 1.2 million dollars just extra. in housing yeah. for a year. And that's not counting the transportation because they'd have to come back here for all their court proceedings. Oh, so, so there's transportation stuff in there yeah, as well. Yeah, so you're looking at another, you know, uh, large number for transportation back and forth. So so it would really be more like $10 million. Uh, yeah, I would say yeah, probably in that 11, 12 million range just Good for that Lord. one year. Mm. And that's just to rehab the actual building itself. Now, we did get a number for replacement of the current building. So that would be taking that back down and, and actually put a new building up. Okay. Same square footage. Unfortunately, it gives us the same number of pods. And same number of how many inmates we can house, 48, would okay. be the same. Because it's based on square footage. So square footage-wise, we could only house 48 people. Sure. Um, that number is $15 million. And that's just for the building. Mm-hmm. The problem is, again, we go into that housing problem because 
we're going to have to house somewhere. We've got to find alternate offices for the right. entire staff. Uh, so there's a lot in dispatch. We'd have to find a new dispatch. Sure. So that 15 million is getting closer to that 17, 18 million by the time we do that for that one year. So before we jump over to talk about the new building real quick, because we're heading in that direction, um, the, if I'm not mistaken, the current building that you're it, it was built in when the 60s? It was 1972. I think they, they got the grant. It was a federal. The citizens of Shoshone County never had to pay for it. The federal government came in. Okay. They offered the building to Kootenai initially in, in the early 70s. Uh-huh. Uh, Kootenai denied it, and the, the Shoshone County accepted it. And, okay. and at that time, it was probably the state of the art. It was what you know sure. what we were dealing with back in the 70s. Wasn't it a refurbished building? Didn't it used to be something else before that? Yeah, it's, I believe it was a car car lot before. It was a car, a car dealership, lot. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so and that's why the basement is angled the way it is in the basement if you've been into the sheriff's yeah. office. And, of course, all the concrete pillars that are down there. Sure. Well. Absolutely. Okay. So we've talked about the two options of, you know, refurbish the current building, knock down, rebuild at the same place. Obviously, there's problems with those. Now we're moving to the third idea here, building in a new spot. Correct. Yeah. So what we've looked at is uh, the Board of County Commissioners have worked with the railroad. Um, by state law, the, the building, the facility has to be within the city of Wallace. It has to be within your county, county seat. seat. So we have talked to the city of Wallace and the mayor. They don't anticipate any problems, but the, there's a little bit of piece of property out by Spun Strand and okay. that flat land there that the railroad owns. On the so, northern side, northwestern side of Wallace? Yeah. Area. So... Yeah. Um, so we were able to negotiate a price for that land. I think it's just under 40 acres. Uh, they would not sell it. Uh, we only need five acres of it, unfortunately, but they would not sell it in that parcel. They wanted to get rid of it all. So we'll have land there that we can actually, as a county, turn around and try to get businesses to come in, and we'll have land available for them to do oh, wow. that. Oh, wow. um, and we talked to the Silver Valley Economical Development Center people in Colleen, and uh, it sounds like there's some businesses that are looking for some acreage to come into Shoshone County. So that might be an avenue to help generate revenue to help pay back on this bond as well. Gotcha. But it's that acreage out there, that flat land just past Spun Strand, just west of Spun Strand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we're looking at right now. I've seen some early designs and like where the placement of the building, before we actually talk about the building itself, the location, that area, um, you mentioned it's the currently owned by the railroad or it was owned by the railroad. Um, it would even be, the, from the designs I saw, it would be incorporated into like the trail of the quarter lanes. Like it would kind of like wrap, not wrap around it, but it'd be set right on it to where people were, if they were on the trail, they could just, they'd go right past it. Yes, that's, and that is true. It's, so it's all that flats where the trail is currently, and we mm-hmm. would we would probably reroute that um, trail to mm-hmm. go alongside the roadway okay. versus go you know through the building or behind the building. Sure. Um, and we've talked to the Parks and Rec about that as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, currently they they plan on building that by the architect design is just west of Spun Strand itself. It takes up about. A little over four acres of land. So, Any advantages to having it in? So obviously we'll talk about the building in a second, but the location-wise, any advantages to having it there versus where it currently is? Well, unfortunately, there's no room to expand where it currently is. Um, so the footprint we are at currently is about 18,000 square foot for our existing building. Mm-hmm. Um, to expand that out to a 98-bed facility sure. and be able to generate that revenue, it's about a 32,000 square foot facility total would dispatch uh, the offices for the officers, sure. detention staff, and then the inmates. 
So you can, in the footprint that we're currently at, there's just no space to expand, and there's no property in Wallace, unfortunately. Yeah, that's that the problem that with Wallace. I mean, there's no flat land there. They're basically building up into the hillside because you can't all the the little flat land that's available in town. And you need an act of God to get any sort of yeah, exactly <laughs> any sort of permit to build there. So. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's definitely difficult for sure. No, that makes sense. And, um, uh, so one yeah. thing I, w- I, w- I thought that might be, I mean, you guys right now have been accustomed to being able to, you know, walk your inmates to the courthouse and back. That's going to change, change things change up a little, a little bit. bit. One of the good things about it is with technology, we've already started is we're not walking our inmates as much anymore. We're actually doing teleconference. Awesome. We are able to get the judges and with some district court money, we've been able to use utilize the courtroom that's in our current facility. Mm-hmm. And we use that to actually do all initial appearances. So we're actually teleconferencing with the judges and magistrate and district court for their first initial appearance. So, so that's a perfect segue. Um, in addition to all the many other things, you'll have teleconferencing stuff that's in, into this proposed new building. Um, what else are we looking at? What what? Are, give me the rundown on what's this new building going to look like. So basically, the, in, in the numbers of the new building, so we talked about... Um, the fix in that probably 11 to 12 million yep. range. We talked about the replacement in that 17, 18 million dollar range mm-hmm. with housing and transportation. So the new facility itself is about 22 million dollars by the architect's designs. Okay. Um, so that's that's where we stand there. Then we don't have the the worries of the housing and the transportation cost on top of that because we'll be able to use our existing building uh, to do that and talking with the jail certification people as long as we have something that is moving forward in in process we won't lose that jail certification so we'll still be able to generate that revenue for that year it's going to take to build that facility so that's that's a positive there's no other other costs involved in that Um, some of the, the advantages of the new facility will be obviously is you know software Currently, our electrical issues at the sheriff's office, we're not able to add any more uh, electrical components to our, our electrical grid or mm-hmm. to our generator for backup. So there is no way to expand it unless hmm. we do a full rehab, which is very expensive to right. do. So that, that's a problem. So that's a win for us is actually being able to use some of the new technology that's out there. For example, um, visitors for inmates. Mm-hmm. You can do that all online now. You can do it on a kiosk, so your inmate signs on to an online kiosk in their in their day room. Huh. People don't have to come to the sheriff's office and inundate the lobby or come to Wallace to do that visitation. Um, they can do it directly from Take home. Take care of it at home. Yeah, they don't even have to leave their facility or their house or anything else. So That's nice. So then we'll have video conferencing um, now versus... You know, picking up the old phone and trying to transfer that bef- right. between right. is very difficult to hear. So it'll all be on video conferencing as well. Gotcha. So, so the technology that the new facility can bring is going to be uh, amazing. One of the things is uh, not only for the inmates is, say, we'll have a community uh, center. So groups can come in and have their meetings as they do now currently in our courtroom. Sure. It'll just be able to accommodate about 50 people versus 25 or 30 now so we'll be able to accommodate larger groups and larger activities there gotcha um, some of the other add- add-ons would be is moving on our communication center our dispatch center yes we need to move that away from our booking process so, so currently it's kind of the i wouldn't say well i got you could be you could say it, it's the heart of the building almost everything kind of runs through it yes absolutely they they answer about um uh, 
385,000 radio calls per year. I mean, it's a very, very busy, and that's not even counting phone calls. So sure. it's a very busy building. Um, currently, the design of the, the old building is the booking center is in dispatch. So if you have a combative inmate or if you have somebody screaming, yelling, that dispatcher cannot, can't hear the radio and they cannot hear um, 911 callers who were calling in. So it's definitely a, a problem that we'd like to resolve. Gotcha. They also, um, so this actually plays off of, so I went to the um, the meeting when uh, Ben Wolfinger came out and he and he took a look at your guys' as the, the current facility. And he mentioned that um, the, the dispatch center, it also is inter- integrated with like the, you mentioned the, the booking area, but also the jail stuff. So like they, they open doors and that kind of stuff. Because I, rem- I remember one of the things that he talked about was like, you guys still use keys. Like physical keys, and he's like, yeah. he's just, no one does that anymore. <laughs> and no, that, that is true. I mean, uh, dispatch is the heart of our entire building as uh-huh. it currently stands. Yes. Um, one of the things that the new building will have is a command center. So the new facilities that are being built with jails actually have a command tower that basically watches the entire jail facility, mm-hmm. not the public safety building, but at least the jail, sure. um, where dispatch doesn't have to open doors for all the. The jail staff, detention staff. It's a pod system, so to speak. Yeah, so it makes it a lot easier. So um, dispatch isn't being bothered constantly by radio traffic in the back. Open this door, open that door. Plus trying to handle the radio, plus handle 911 and whatever phone calls are coming in. So it can get overwhelming really quick for our communication staff. Definitely. Very cool. Um, also, so I've looked, I know the, uh, the internal schematic of the building has changed up a bit. I've, I've attended a couple of meetings and written a couple of stories on how that works out, but as it is right now, you'll have some more office space for, for deputies. That's, that'll be nice. Um, cause the, when I've been in there before, you know, a lot of deputies share office space at the moment, three, you know, two to three in the same room. Yes, stuff yeah. like that. Um, they'll yeah, be they'll, they'll be able to have an isolated, uh, quiet room basically to do their reports. Because what sure. happens if you conjugate with two or three, as you well know, if you have two or three people in there, there's always conversation taking place sure. or stuff other than what you're supposed to be doing, and sure. you get redirected, and it takes a lot longer. So they'll have a quiet room to go to and have a little bit more office space to actually work, concentrate on their reports review their videos and their body cams and, and actually do accurate reports sure. from there. So, so, I mean, even it's something as simple as some things that we take for granted in these types of buildings nowadays, like separate changing rooms for and separate bathrooms yeah. and that kind of stuff. And that's important too, because we are not currently compliant with ADA because of our number of employees that we have. Mm-hmm. We have okay. to have separate lockers and locker rooms for men and women. Uh, we currently only have one and one downstairs bathroom for everybody. Mm-hmm. So that would be one thing that we will be able to um, work on in the new facilities, actually get compliant with the, the new laws with ADA. That's good too. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, the we have a lot of uh, employees, male and female, mm-hmm. and a lot of detention staff and patrol officers, and they need to be able to have their own changing rooms and, and shower rooms, you know. For, Makes for it hard to hire anybody when, when you can't guarantee that they have a bathroom or a changing room specific to them, you know? Absolutely. It puts you guys in a tough spot liability-wise, so... And that's the biggest thing. Liability is a key word, really, for this whole facility, whether it's classifications, whether it's the building itself Mm -hmm. deteriorating. um, It's all about the liability to our citizens, to our county. Um, It just takes one person to file a lawsuit and then we're in trouble. I think think Sadie told me the the most exciting part of the building that she's looking forward to is just a bathroom in the dispatch center. (laughs) Yes, and and that's important too because currently dispatch does not have the ability to 
run dispatch and get out of that building to go use the restroom and right. stuff. So the they have to facility, go to like the, the public the lobby. Yeah, they have to go to the public restroom and you know they have to try to find somebody to cover their time so they can run to the restroom. Now we'll actually have uh, an enclosed facility where they have a restroom nice. within dispatch so they don't have to leave that area so they don't lose what's taking place. That's the hard part. Something happens, 911 comes in, and then they come back and try to take it over. You're trying to catch up. Sure. They'll be there the whole time now, and so that'll make a big difference in their job as well. Sure. Good. So we've talked about we talked about the jail layout. We've talked about dispatch. We talked about some you know just stuff for the deputies. Anything else that's going to be included in here that we should talk about? Uh, the big I think the biggest thing is classifications. I don't know if we really went over classifications, and I don't know if the general public really you know if they understand what classifications are mm-hmm. in our in our jail facility. Okay. Uh, so we have classifications as maximum security classifications. People that have been involved in violent crimes or. Uh, Habitual criminals sure. that are max, so you consider max. Then you have your general population. It's just your uh, person that came in, made a mistake, whether it's a DUI, driving while suspended, misdemeanor crimes. Mm-hmm. Your general run of the mill, yeah, run of the mill. And then you have your protective custody classifications: people that can't be housed, um, whether their crime is a rape or sure. a, a child crime or something like can't that. Can't be mixed in with the general they population. Can't be mixed in with general population or max. They're usually locked down. The problem is, is the the way the current facility is actually um, built. There was no um, thought process in the the crimes there was would no change. Thought of that, yeah. yeah, you know, in 1970, rape crimes were probably pretty minimal in Shoshone County or child crimes, mm-hmm. and that's, that's not the case anymore, unfortunately. Unfortunately, and we have same, a lot of them. Um, same with juveniles too. They have to be in a separate area, don't they? Yeah, well? and juveniles. Mm-hmm. We can't house juveniles in ours currently. We have a contract with Kootenai County. The oh, good okay. thing about the new facility is the state of Idaho has come in and said that uh, being that we will have. Say we house 40, 45 of our own, which we know in in, in the future that number is going to grow. It's been growing for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. So, And then we house 30 state inmates. That's still only 75 beds out of 98. Sure. So we have the potential to house more state inmates. And then we also have the potential to house our own juveniles. Wow. Okay. So that would take our $150 a day that we get charged by Kootenai County to be able to house those in, juvenile inmates for that three or four days Till the judge can see them, and if the judge releases them, we don't have to go pay another uh, county uh, to do that. And I think that budget's around sixty, sixty-five thousand dollars a year gotcha. that we have in there. So and all, you were talking Good about Lord. talking about classifications. I also there's also um, you have to have separate male and female. Currently. Yes, and, yeah. that, and that's one of the biggest current problems. If you look at any records, whether it's the Department of Corrections for the state mm-hmm. or any county, is the female population has grown in crime mm-hmm. uh, tremendously. We used to have what you call is our E-pod used to be a setup for a female pod. Well, it only houses six. Well, we're housing currently 12 to 16 females and have been pretty much for the last four years. So, Consistently. Yeah. yeah, and that's the biggest problem with the state is they don't have the space for the female crime or you know people coming into the prison system. Mm-hmm. They just don't have the beds available, hmm. and the crime's just on the rise. Gotcha. Wow. How should they say that crime doesn't pay? The more I hear about it, crime doesn't pay. The taxpayers do. Yeah. One hundred fifty bucks a day for juveniles over in Cooney. That's that is that's okay. Crazy. Good. I'm glad we're. Addressing that here. That's Absolutely. Good. All right. Well, have we have we hit on everything? Um, so the vote is in November uh, for the bond. Correct. Um, how are you guys getting information out to? Um, or if somebody wanted information, or, or how somebody, would they? Get? Yeah. 
And they're more than welcome to contact us or the Board of County Commissioners at the Sheriff's Office. Mm -hmm. We will have a community group that will be active going out in the community and getting involved in this as well. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't want to con conflict with uh, the current bonds that were taking place this last month and, the, and prior. Sure. So we didn't put a lot of information out. I know it's been in the news press a couple times mm -hmm. that we were looking at this. So we're going to try to get out and be as active as possible with the community. Uh, we have our assessment, our jail assessment that was done by a third party. Uh, performance uh, Leadership Institute that came in and said uh, why they think we need a new facility and the problems that were with our current facility. Um, and then we have all the architect information at the sheriff's office. They can be viewed there. And they also have that at the Board of County Commissioner's Office as well. Gotcha. Yeah. Same uh, ditto with the numbers. Like when you get those official numbers, you guys will have all that information. Yes, so and we'll try to get that out. Yes, and we'll, and we'll, the news press will also put out a story when we have all that we'll information. track it closely. Well. Thank you. As yeah. we do. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, I think that's it from... I think that's it. Mike, you got anything else? No, like I said, it's just uh, the biggest thing is just to get people to understand, you know, the numbers. I mean, we have to adapt. We have to move forward. And unfortunately, our current facility is, um, in my tenure, it's something that we have to look at sure. replacing. And it's never an easy decision to do. But, um, I mean, people are more than welcome. We've, we've been walking people through uh, the building. They're kind of really shocked because if you walk into the front office lobby area, mm -hmm. it doesn't look Poor. It's when you go into the facility itself, whether it's the jail or the basement. Oh, that's we have to treat I, these people there nicely. Yeah. So <laughs> for you listeners who are going to go, well, they're in jail. They don't know. No, they still have to be treated. And nicely. it's not even. And it's not even that. Like I, I was recently down there when I did the canine story for with uh, Deputy Dustin. Um, the basement. You know, that's where you guys keep all rigs and do maintenance and that kind of thing. There's a lot of storage down there, like your evidence room and whatnot. And it's, I mean, just from personal experience looking at it, I guess I'm not a mechanic or anything like that, or an engineer, but it doesn't look like it's in its prime by any means. No, yeah, and, that's, <laughs> and I agree. I mean, that th those are good analogies, too. Is um, Unfortunately, a lot of people look at it, they are in jail. They made a mistake, and I get that as well. But the liability is on the citizens. Sure, it's, right. it's on the county, and if we don't do something to fix it, we will pay for it. One, one way, way or, or another, another. And, <laughs> right? And, and that's really the thing is, is for me, as I don't want to lose something we worked hard to get that jail certification back. We've been generating good revenue. Mm -hmm. And understand that money goes right to the general fund. It doesn't come to the sheriff's office. Right. It goes to a, you know, current expense is what they call it in our budget process. But yeah, it goes to the general fund. Decide, right? yep. yeah. And they disperse it from there. But the good thing about this bond is the Board of County Commissioners, uh, on the revenue that we generate are willing to put that money back onto that bond and that will help pay for that bond that much sooner and cool. relieve the stress to the taxpayers what i'm hoping to do is with that generated revenue whether that's 800 or a million dollars a year hmm. is relieve the tax stress to some of the citizens because if that pool of money is going into that general fund it should relieve some of that yeah. uh, hitting the top of the levies right. so that's what we're hoping for cool perfect all right, I think we hit Solid. on everything. All right, well, uh, thanks for coming in, Mike. Thank always you, guys. A, always a pleasure. Absolutely, Absolutely. we'll have you, you have you in for whenever you want to whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, thank we'll you. Get you in for something more exciting next. Time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> thanks, and thanks again to Shoshone County Sheriff Mike Gunderson for stopping by the studio to talk to us. Um, actually, so I mentioned earlier before we went cut to the interview that we did get some information after the interview. Uh, Mike Gunderson told us afterward that uh, the proposed bond will cost 
$8.20 per 100,000 a month and $98.47 per year if that passes. Interesting. Uh-huh. So that's uh unlike unlike school language or something like that, it's not based on district. This is the entire county. So it's it's kind of spread out among everybody else. Yeah. Mhm. Still uh what was that per per year? $98. $98.47 cent? per year. Mhm. Interesting and to eight, see how the uh $8.20 per 100,000. Be interesting to see how the local constituency reacts to that. So. For sure. For so, sure. So so. so. Yeah, uh, this is going to bring us right into uh, the regional headlines here, mm-hmm. and uh, we've got some fun ones. I've got uh, one that came from the Coeur d'Alene Press, and this one was uh, yesterday, and I'm sure a lot of you guys might have heard of this. Uh, Coeur d'Alene uh, therapist Jeffrey Worley was sentenced yesterday morning to 20 years in prison for having an affair with a suicidal teenage patient. Uh he pled guilty to having sex with a 17-year-old during an affair that lasted more than a year and was sentenced to a 20-year term that included a fixed five-year term and uh, 15 years indeterminate. I guess the relationship began in 2016 and continued until the summer of 2017. Hmm. So that's grody. That is grody. But, uh, yeah. And then... Uh, Gotcha. So let's jump over to the Bonner County Daily Bee up in, yeah. in, uh, up in Sandpoint. And uh, Laughing Dog Brewing. So we, we actually write a little bit about of our local breweries anytime that they win something nationally. Mm-hmm. I've, uh, we've got a couple stories hanging in the Wallace Brewing uh, tap room because they, they usually win some gold. But it uh, looks like the Bonner County Daily Bee is looking at some of their lo- one of their local breweries. Uh, Laughing Dog Brewing of Ponderay recently won honors the United States Beer Tasting Championship's 25th annual summer competition. Mm-hmm. total of 538 beers from 174 breweries were examined across 17 different beer categories. Within each category, the, the USBTC determined both a grand champion and the best entry from each of seven U.S. regions. Uh, Laughing Dog won top regional honors in the Northwest Pacific category, as well as honorable mention in the overall competition for its Inland Empire Amber, top regional winner for Amber Red Ales, its English Pale Ale. Top regional winner was the Bitter ESB category, and for its... Oh, boy. Josh, you want to give me a... To, to tell me what you think that is. What am I reading here? The, this, it's that beer that's on the last sentence in the third paragraph. Um, Tell me what you think that is. D. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Where am I? The last sentence Here, of what? Let me highlight it for you. Ah, de asht. De asht. De de asht hand. De asht hand. I'm sure I will Google that real quick. I'm sorry, I kind of want to know what that is now. It's gotta be German, obviously. Maybe, maybe like they're, maybe they're like their Oktoberfest kind of thing. Yeah. We will no problem. Maybe not. Maybe not. D A C H S T E. All right, there it is, right there. It's a peach sour. Whoa, okay. Yeah. Would not have guessed that. And uh, yeah, you Google it and that brings it right up. So yeah, the Ocht. The Ocht? Hund. The Ocht Hund. I, I think it's actually Dutch. Oh, okay. Well. So, learn something every day. Yeah. Sounds like it's a pretty... Uh, I mean, you know, as somebody who appreciates a good sour beer, I'm it's not... It's a 98 uh, 
or an 89% score on Beer Advocate. Wow, that's pretty good. So, uh, not it's bad. A, it's a wild uh, American wild ale. So, um, yep. yeah, top regional winner for fruited Belgian, sour beer. So. Belgian style sour. Okay. So, cool, cool. You know what? I appreciate a good sour. I don't, you know, I don't want it to be too much, but when it's got that little. We're learning more and more about beer as we go. We're getting yes. to be not necessarily beer connoisseurs, but definitely knowledgeable enough to hold a conversation. Definitely, it would be really cool one day to have them like come in, and just crack one. If yeah. we could, we could do an after five special. Oh, I think we've we've drank beer in here before when uh, we've had our like open houses and That's parties. That's true. So we have. We could like definitely. Yeah, we could definitely do a yeah. do an open house of some kind. Yeah, yeah. that'd be fun. That would be cool. Um, what do you got? You know, what do you got? Head back down to Coeur d'Alene, and this came out today. And uh, NIC's athletic director, that's North Idaho College's athletic director, mm-hmm. Al Williams, has uh, retired from the position. Okay. So uh, it looks like his last day will be September 27th. And in the interim, uh, the vice president of student services, Graydon Stanley, will uh, be the interim. Now, the reason this is kind of an interesting story, uh, so Williams' retirement comes less than a month after the uh, Northwest Athletic Commission, the NWAC, uh, penalized the men's basketball team for uh, league violations of using booster club funding to pay for housing for their players during the summers of 2018 and 2017, uh, using those funds without the uh, NIC business office oversight and operating camps was in violation of uh, NWAC rules. Oh, interesting. So, uh, however, during Williams' tenure there, the Cardinals, uh, you know, they, they had success all over the place. Uh, women's basketball turn- team won the 2011 National Junior, so the NJCAA championship. The wrestling won the 2013 National Championship. And then the basketball teams had a ton of success, the men's basketball teams. Williams also played basketball at NIC and then moved on to the University of Idaho. So it's kind of a big deal for him to step down. And, and hopefully, hopefully, in all truthfulness, it is uh, his choice and not because he's hoping to not get fired or something like that. Right, you know? right. Um, looking here, I, I guess I didn't realize there was more to the story on the back page of the paper, but... Uh, you sound like that kid that's in college that didn't realize that there's questions on the back of the page. Well, I just <laughs> I didn't realize it because I saw a bunch of ads, so I didn't I didn't Fair know enough. that uh, there was more story on the back. Fair but you know, hopefully, like I said, hopefully he's not doing this so he doesn't get you know fired or resign in gra- sure. disgrace or something. Sure. So. Hope, hope for the best. Oh yeah, I gave you kind of an interesting story here, one that uh, I yes, thought you uh, might... jumping over jumping over to the Montana side of things yeah. for our for our little family, uh, the Clark Fork Valley Press Miller Independent, uh, talking about how the uh, Sanders County Search and Rescue, uh, how they they really do a lot in that uh, rural area, but they are in need of some help uh, since they are a nonprofit and receive very little funding. The group squeezes by with an outdated facility and understaffing that makes their job quite difficult. Uh, the, the search and rescue group are currently looking for more volunteers, and the only pre- uh, prerequisite asked of, of help is that they be willing to listen, learn, along with po- possessing a drive to help. Um, the organization is a nonprofit and was started in 1974. It is led by the Sanders County Sheriff, Tom Rummel. The employee many technical trained teams, including dive rescue, swift water rescue, mountain rescue, winter rescue, and a backcountry medical team. Um, these guys seem like they're the real deal, and uh, definitely in the in the rural area that is Sanders County in Montana, uh, they definitely probably are keep pretty busy. Um, so if you're if you're looking to uh, do something good with your volunteer time, 
and uh, you like being out outdoors and contributing to to probably a good cause uh, more often than not. Give them a call. Give so them that's a the uh, that's up in the Sanders County is like Thompson Falls area. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we have listeners, gosh, all over the place, we Montana, do. the we Valley do. here, Northern Idaho, and, and if you yeah. need something, not necessarily, I don't want to call it a hobby, but you know, if you're a person who loves that stuff sure. and and. Because if, if something happens... You call it a hobby in a sense. I mean, it's a very helpful hobby. If someone called and said, hey, we need search and rescue people, sure. someone goes missing. It's not like to get from where we are here in Osborne to uh-huh. Thompson Falls. I mm-hmm. mean, that's what, one hour, two yep. hour drive maybe? Roughly. I mean, that's Roughly. not that difficult to get to and from. So it's not like you're... I don't think that call for action was necessarily limited to just people in the uh, in the area, in no, the western absolutely. Montana area. So. Um, if, if you're interested, prospective volunteers can call the sheriff's office to learn more. The group has meetings the first and third Thursdays of each month at 7 p.m. in their facility on Gulf Street in Thompson Falls. Their training exercises are done about once a month. Cool. Well, do you want a happy tummy? Check out Booch So Rad Kombucha. Check out their awesome flavors, including lavender honey, sweet heat, and peppermint ginger. Booch So Rad can be purchased at Lisa's Gems in Kellogg. Beginning next week, you can also get your kombucha delivered to you. For more information on them or their delivery schedule, check out their Facebook page or visit boochsorad.com. Drink Booch, be rad. We were talking about it earlier. It sounds you were telling me the owners they might they might get with the season and maybe bring back some pump, pumpkin stuff. Well, some pea sizzle. Mm-hmm. People love that pumpkin spice stuff, okay. and uh, we want all of our most basic customers mm-hmm. to be as satisfied as possible. Booch so rad. <laughs> so <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. So uh, upcoming uh, headlines, upcoming projects. What do we got? What are we working on right now, John? You know, I'm reaching out to schools, trying to find out about new teachers and whatnot. Every yeah, year, yeah, we, we do to... our annual uh, spotlight on the new teachers in the school district. Kind of a back to school thing. Yeah. Nothing. Maybe uh, see if we can roust up some initial enrollment numbers, see where the school districts are stacking up this year as compared mm-hmm. to years past. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, I think, uh, oh, there's also uh, some new laws and rules out concerning uh, boats on the Coeur d'Alene River. And uh, I've been reaching out to Idaho Fish and Game to talk about that. So we'll probably have some information on that. And at least they, they have an informative meeting coming up. So so some of that stuff, pretty uh, pretty simple, but, you know. Cut and dry stuff. In the a huge. Sense. Yeah, hopefully we can hopefully we can get some info on on the info on the on the teachers. We always like doing those. Yeah. The one I remember fun what uh, that was really fun was when we went up to Mullen and we did um, Almquist. Uh, what was her name? The English teacher. Ah uh, yes, the Notre Dame mm-hmm. graduate. Yes, that was that was a fun one in particular. Yeah. I remember doing that. Yeah, that was a fun one. Um, so on my end, what I'm looking into, obviously, since with our interview, we'll be doing. Well, it, we've got all of the numbers. I'll be putting out a a good comprehensive story on the proposed bond for the jail, or uh, for the the public safety building. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be putting that out, uh, looking like the Saturday edition, and also. Um, some a press release just came out. We're gonna hope to put something in the print edition that's a little more comprehensive than the press release that was put out. But uh, it sounds like from a press release from their website, America's Gold and Silver is uh, actually investing into the Galena Mine. Um, they're going to be putting in commit up to twenty million dollars to fund capital improvements and operations for the first year to earn a forty percent interest in the company's Galena complex. Wow. So yeah, it looks like um, some moves being made about the yeah. at the Galena Mine. Um, from what I've been told, it sounds like the place could use uh, some updates on some equipment and stuff in there. So 
Uh, it sounds like it's a positive thing. We'll, yeah. uh, well, well, hopefully we'll be able to get a hold of somebody with America's goal. We've already reached out this morning and we're unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. But uh, hopefully by by uh, deadline day we can get some more information than yeah. just what's included in the press release. Uh, we also just had in our uh, weekend edition our fall sports preview just yeah, came we've been, out. Yeah, we've been plugging this a little bit for yeah. a while coming up. So check that out if you still have it. Um, That's in our Wednesday edition? No, it was in our Saturday in edition. In the Saturday edition, yeah. So nine, looking... nine full comprehensive stories on the nine uh, programs that we have here. Looks good. Um, full Looks, color photos. And in the middle, good. most importantly, a full rundown of schedules. Now, those schedules are subject to change. And some of them probably already have been tweaked a little bit. But for the most part, you know, it's a handy little tool to kind of keep track of games and whatnot. So uh, check that bad boy out. A lot of uh, those are always fun to work on. So definitely. I see that. Kellogg Wallace. Where's the Mullen football team? There it is. There it is. Oh, they usually. So I always I always get them to line up on the on that staircase. Ah, that when they take when I take that when I yeah. t- I used to take that. photo. You really like that that staircase photo. It's a good. It's in they have fifteen order. kids now though. So you can they can scrunch. That's a lot of that's a lot of <laughs> scrunching. Big big kids on that that staircase. They can, they can scrunch. Uh, glazed and confused. I don't know if you guys heard about them. Donut shop in Wallace. There, Glazed and Confused offers a variety of delicious coffee drinks such as espresso, cold brew, bowl blasters, Italian sodas, old fashioned sodas, snow cones, and yummy handmade old fashioned donuts. Glazed and Confused is open seven days a week from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. and they are located at 207 Fifth Street in Wallace. Life is short. Eat more donuts. Nothing wrong with that. And they're in the bus that's like right across the street from like the red light garage. Mm-hmm. So, or, or Vester Eye Clinic, I guess, technically. But, yeah, right across the street there, the the donut bus. So. There you go. Uh, what about upcoming events? We got uh, this uh, this. We got week. some We got some sport here. Let me, a lot let me, of I'll sports. pull up our local calendar real quick. We might as well read from that because I assembled the damn thing. I, <laughs> so, <laughs> I know we have, uh, we have the Sorry, chamber. Was there, was there a hint of bitterness in that? Maybe. Uh, we got the chamber auction this uh, Friday night up the Shoshone Golf Course. Uh, it's a Western murder mystery themed, and yes. I think there are still tickets available to that. That ticket gets you, I believe, uh, an auction bidding number mm-hmm. plus a dinner. And are you going to that? I will probably be covering sports, so I think uh, you're going to probably have to go up there. So I'll probably uh, go. I'm, I think I'm bound by director code. Chamber law. Yeah, chamber law. If I'm not there, I have to get run over by the car. You have to be whipped at the next community market. We got the last community market of the season okay. is this week. There uh, you go. Musical guest Robbie French. He's mm-hmm. a pretty popular uh, musical guest. I heard your your local uh, musician buddy was playing at the Hilltop over oh, the weekend. Oh, yeah. Last weekend, Casey Ryan was at the Hilltop. It looked like a pretty good crowd. I didn't I've, make it I, out. Uh, but... Have you been up there lately? I haven't been up to see their their new work, but I it's, hear it's something it's special. Nice. The the outdoor venue that they've got out there is nice. Cool. We'll have to we'll have to talk to them about that. We've got uh, a lot of our sports are on the road, so our football teams are on the road, except for Kellogg. Kellogg will be hosting Orofino at Teeters Field this Friday night at seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess there's a chance that uh, Tom Sherry's uh, tailgate party from uh, Crim Two News over in Spokane might be there, so that mm-hmm. could be kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we have some sports tomorrow, Thursday night, uh, Kellogg, Wallace and Mullen, I believe are all hosting volleyball games potentially. Thursday. Okay. So I got, I got it. Um, the Wallace Elks, they're going to start their roundup. 
Ah, the Old Elks Roundup. The old That's El- always the a good time. The Wallace Elks Roundup. They'll be starting that on, uh, let's see here, Friday. Friday is the first day, it looks like. So, nope, Thursday. I apologize. So if you're trying to become an elk, go get rounded up. Actually, no. It starts Wednesday. Oh, today. There we go. Yeah, today. Gotcha. When you'll be listening to this anyway, when this when- drops. Um, the Roundup, uh, Queen, uh, the Queen's Pageant, whatnot. Yeah, and this year we're going to try to get those queen profiles that we used to do all the time. It's just uh, with participation kind of waxing and waning. We never know how many we're going to have. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah. We'll definitely, we'll definitely get the, do something on the winter. So. Yeah, and, and you know, I know summer is busy. We have stuff all the time in the weekends, every weekend, in fact. But don't don't sleep on the Silver Valley in the fall and wintertime. We've got lots of activities. Uh, Wallace's Fall for History Festival is coming up here in a couple yeah. months. Um, that's one of my favorites. And... Uh, I actually think Chloe and I are going to make our way up there and probably canvas that pretty pretty heavily this year to, to make it a thing. Um, you know, uh, we got local sports. There's always local sports going on. Uh, support your local teams. So for, the full cal- for the full calendar, it's on, it'll be online. It releases every day uh, on, on publish day, and mm-hmm. so you can find it online, and you can all, and it's in our uh, Wednesday edition. Yeah, check it's that out. It's in both editions. Check but. that out and get out to something. Yep, definitely. Otherwise, I think, uh, gosh, we're... Uh, I, think we're I think we're rounding it out. All right. Well, once again, we'd like to thank Wallace Ace Hardware for sponsoring this week's episode. Visit the helpful place, Wallace Ace Hardware, located at 7 16 Bank Street in Wallace. Perfect. Well, I think uh, without further ado, we'll sign out. Have a good week, everybody. We appreciate you listening in. Please uh, uh, subscribe to us if you're listening to us on a podcatcher. Really appreciate that. We're, we're doing really well on uh, a lot of them for... For all you guys out there that do do a podcatcher, as you, if you hit the subscribe button, it will download it for you. That way, if you're listening to it and you're going out of service, you're not going to... Uh, like, Correct. it's already downloaded. So... You don't have to worry about a 4G or an internet connection. Say you're driving over to 4th of July Pass where you don't have service. If you download the podcast before that, you can listen yep. to it all the way over. So be a subscriber. We'd love to have you. Absolutely. All and right. if you want to advertise, make sure you give the old news press a call at 208-752-1120. We're always looking for uh, sponsors for this podcast. Absolutely. We'll say pretty much whatever you want. Pretty much. <laughs> we are for hire. Yeah. I mean, not that way. but. <laughs> all right, guys. <laughs> Have a good week before this gets too too out of hand. See you later.